morning, church. Today's scripture reading is First Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse twelve to thirty-one. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot would say, "Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body," that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, "Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body." That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is. There are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need of you," nor again the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members. Are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership. Various kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together bring us close to you and your love. In your name, we pray. Amen. So this month we have been learning more about the Holy Spirit. 
We have talked about how the Spirit can give us new life and help us to know that God is our best friend. Through the Spirit, we know that God is with us and in us. And the Spirit leads us our lives as beloved children of God. Through the Spirit, we are made more like Christ every day. Another big transformation we can experience with the Holy Spirit comes in the revelation of our spiritual gifts. One of the best known gifts of the Spirit, which we see in the Bible, is the ability to understand each other despite the barriers of different languages. Last month, we celebrated Pentecost when the Spirit descended upon the disciples and gave them this very ability, allowing them to speak clearly to others and each others, despite the different languages everybody spoke. And in today's scripture passage, Paul talks about the gifts we are given by the Holy Spirit, wherein God appoints and chooses certain people to be prophets, people who talk about the Word of God, teachers, uh, people who do deeds of power, uh, uh, engage in healing or other forms of assistance, people engaged in leadership or speaking in tongues. Um, earlier in the chapter, Paul said that spiritual gifts are for everyone. So they are not limited to certain people. And spiritual gifts can vary too, since there are many kinds of spiritual gifts, which the Spirit activates in each of us as the Spirit chooses. And today's chapter, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, is about spiritual gifts. But when we read through the passage, we see that Paul is not just talking about spirit spiritual gifts. Instead, Paul is talking about how the church works together as the body of Christ. The head of the church is Christ, but that body does not exist by Christ alone. The, Christ, uh, the body of Christ, the church, has various body parts like eyes and ears and hands and feet, which make up the whole body. These body parts represent each and every one of us. We are individuals, but as individual body parts, we come together to build that body, which is the church. An eye cannot be near, and a hand can be in foot. Each part is needed to be exactly what it is in order to build up the one body, our beloved church. So what I want us to think about today is that relationship between our spiritual gifts and the body of the church. Why is it that Paul is talking about the church, the body of Christ, in a chapter about spiritual gifts? In his letter to Corinthians, Paul is addressing a specific issue that was facing the church in Corinth, an ancient Greek city. In the Church of Corinth, divisions had begun to arise over issues involving the life and activities of the church. They began to argue about whether or not Gentile believers should be circumcised, 
whether or not they could buy food which had been offered as a burnt offering to idols. And of course, there was the issue of spiritual gifts. In Corinth, there were people who had began to boast about their spiritual gifts, their ability to speak in tongues and to prophesy. And these people who possessed more obvious and more charismatic gifts like these and manifestation of the Spirit in their life and ministry began to be seen and regarded as more spiritual, a better and therefore more Christian. On the other hand, the new believers, poor converts who were unable to contribute to church financially, who didn't have a clear understanding of whether they could or could not buy meat that was sold in the market because it might be used in idol sacrifice, uh, people who didn't possess the more obvious spiritual gifts like I mentioned, um, these people began to be treated as weak. Considered less spiritual, less honorable, less respectable, and even inferior or not necessary. The bottom line in Corinth was that weakness was not celebrated, and people were not appreciated and welcomed for who and what they were. Jump forward 2,000 years and now here today, we're now living in the 21st century, but we still suffer from that stigma associated with the word weakness. In Japan, when you search for a job, you have to fill out a specific type of resume form called Rideksho. And on this form, you have to write your entire work history, all your degrees and qualifications you have, skills and strengths, and down to the smallest details. But nowhere will you find a calm asking about your weaknesses. Often the question about your strengths and weaknesses will come up during a job interview. Or if you are in a mentoring relationship, your mentor might discuss your weaknesses with you, highlighting the areas you can improve. But nowadays, I began to notice that there is a new term we use to describe weakness. We avoid the word weakness entirely and use instead the word growing edge. Because in the world and culture we live in, there are certain beliefs about Weakness. Weaknesses are something we need to correct. Weaknesses are something we need to hide. Weaknesses are something we should avoid confronting, but rather conceal and don't talk about. And we find this tendency not only in our society, but as Paul mentions, we can find it even in our faith community, even back in those early days. But this isn't just an issue for this Asian church from thousands of years ago. It's an issue that faces the church today. First of all, and to be honest, I had to admit that I might well be the first person to get trapped in this kind of thinking. As you know, I have depression. I struggle with it. 
I have been working on accepting this part of who I am for a long time, close to 15 years. But it took me a very long time to learn to embrace this part of myself and to share it with my friends and church family openly. And as someone with depression, I have good days and bad days. Even within a single day, I can have good moments and difficult moments. When I get sucked into the pool of dark emotions like anxiety, worry, um, anger, doubt, disappointments, uh, so many more. It takes a great, great deal of effort and determination and most important, importantly, God's help and assurance for me to be able to get out, break out of the bad cycle of negative emotions. This is the truth about me, and sometimes there are mornings that I don't want to get out of bed or do anything. And while I struggle with this now, I struggled with this a lot in my teenage years, or even today when times are particularly stressful. In times like those, I would, I would rather stay in bed, just cave in, not going anywhere, not meeting anyone, not even facing the world because I feel too overwhelmed with what is going on. On bad days or in bad moments, especially now that I serve in the leadership of our church, I sometimes wonder if I am truly qualified to be a pastor because of this weakness within me. And I think I'm not be the only one who is afraid of showing and sharing weakness within the church community. I have heard people saying that they hesitate to come to church because they are too tired to fake it. They just can't pretend that everything is going okay because in their hearts they are anything but okay. They're struggling and they feel embarrassed sharing what is truly going on in their lives. I hear people say that they hesitate to serve in church because they have so many weaknesses but don't have any real skills or strengths to offer to a church. But today I want to invite us to look at how the church should look at weaknesses within ourselves and even the weaknesses within the church based on the word of God. Because the truth is that the Bible does not look at weakness the way the world and or any, any of us in it do. Here's a word we get from Paul. He denies all this negative thinking, rejects all these images of weaknesses, and delivers a message that is just as much to us it is to the church in Corinth. Verse 27, he says, The members of the body, which is the church, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Weakness is necessary for the church. That word he uses there, indispensable, is also used in other places in the scripture to mean intimate. So it is that this weak body part can and should form an intimate and necessary relationship with the body itself, the church. But regardless what the scripture says, 
the body of Christ, the church,、uh, seems to be weaker or indispensable, reality is rather different. What we often see in church is opposite of what we see in the Bible. Weakness is avoided, pushed away, set apart from the life and conversation and activities of the church. But Paul here said that in church life, it really shouldn't be that way. There are no body parts that are somehow less of a body part. There is no one part of the church that we can look on and say that we have no need of it. All are welcome to be a part of the church, especially those who are weak, who struggle with physical challenges, emotional struggles, spiritual fights, financial difficulties, social concerns. All that and more are not just welcome, but necessary for the church. This is because in a church, weakness has the potential to be transformed into something beautiful. Something that goes far beyond simple weakness. Something that can build up the church and others in, in and around it, just as the spiritual gifts might do. There's an artist named Tomihiro Hoshino, and he is a well known Christian artist here in Japan. In his early 20s, he got into a major accident and lost most of his mobility. Yet he met God through the word he found in the Bible, and through that he gained comfort and hope from Christ. There he started to use his mouth to hold pencils to write. Here, these are the first letters he managed to write using his mouth this way, six months after he started trying to do so. Once he figured that out, he continued working hard, eventually, learning to draw using、uh, brushes. In time, he began to write poems and draw pictures to go along with the poems. What began as his weakness, the disability and immobility he experienced, through time began to turn into something else. Something that served as a witness to the beauty of life and all the creation around him. As he created more and more work, he began to host exhibitions so he could share his work with people. In one of his interviews, he said, People stopped and appreciated and felt my heart in each line I drew, even though the line was shaky. The lines he drew with his mouth showed all his physical weakness, but there was something still which captured people and showed that wonder and mystery and joy of life. Here is one of his later work. Here he says, It seems we are closer to the truth when the weak gather together instead of the strong. The word we use for church in Greek is ekklesia, and it means exactly that a gathering. The church is a place where people are gathered together, all invited and welcomed by God. 
The church, as you know, is much more than a place because we are the church. Each one of us make up the body of Christ and that church when we welcome those who are weak and embrace them. The church is a place where we welcome the messiness in our lives, a place where the weak parts of yourself and your life are joyously welcomed. While society might reject or ignore you because of your struggles, turn you away because of the weakness you battle, or which your family or friends battle, church is a place which welcomes you as you are because we believe that all the parts of you, including your weakness, are necessary for the church to be what it is, necessary for us to grow in Christ. The church is a place of transformation where you're willing to open yourself up and share the struggles you have with your weaknesses. God will enter in. When you open yourself up and share your weaknesses with God and God's community, they are no longer your weaknesses alone. Your weaknesses is no longer carried only by you, but it is carried by both God and God's community. We are people who gather our hearts together and pray. Rather than rejecting and turning away from our weaknesses, we not only welcome, but invest in our weaknesses. In chapter 12, verse 23, Paul talks about clothing less honorable and respectable members of the church with great respect and honor. In other English translations of this verse, the word invest is used here instead. We, as the church, invest in weakness with the greatest of honor and respect. We invest because, just like spiritual gifts, we believe the fruit is produced when we invest in our weakness. Just as Tomihiro Hoshino's art and poems have touched so many, and testify to the goodness of life and creation, our weaknesses nurtured with encouragement and investment from the church community can give life to something beautiful in service to the church and others. We are grateful to Pastor Chuck for his openness about his weakening body. With Pastor Chuck and God, we take in and welcome all the struggles he is going through. As one body of Christ, we suffer together with him and rejoice with him as well. Even though he and his family are in California, can we feel that intimate relationship he has with God despite his weakening body? Can we see our witness to his testimony? It's building up our church because we cannot stop being in awe of how God keeps Pastor Chuck so close, embracing him as his best friend and the smartest guy in the room. And are we in just as much awe at how much faith God has given him and his family? And in that space, there's more than weakness. There is God. So I hope that we can become a church 
that not only invest in each each of us for our spiritual gifts, but a community that is willing to accept and welcome all the weaknesses people might struggle with. Mental illness, addiction, physical disability, chronic illness, poverty, troubled relationships, struggles with grades, self-confidence issues, loss of dreams, loss of faith, even a loss of self, discrimination, more and more. I hope we will become a place that welcomes people as they are and which is winning to walk with them, believing that their struggles and weaknesses only seem to be weak, as Paul says in verse 27. There is no wasted weakness in a church community. Each weakness shared in our community is a necessary part for our church. As we try to reflect all that Christ is, eyes, mouth, ears, shoulders, hands, stomach, and feet, all these things in all their imperfections represent Christ, including those invisibly small body parts. They can all testify to something about Christ because it is Christ who fills the whole body, the church. May we cherish our weaknesses and openly share them, willing to invest in our weaknesses. There we will see Christ fully glorified because of our weaknesses. All glory to God. <laughs>